We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato. Today we're going to break down the all 22 of the defensive side of the ball during the Giants' week 14 loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Before we do that, I do want to tease something we have coming later this week, and that is an exclusive interview with OCU Manure, two-time Super Bowl champion. Really excited for you guys to hear that one. We talk about this 2020 Giants defense specifically. We talk about his past with the Giants. It's a lot of fun, and we can't wait for it. But without further ado, Nick, I want to get your general thoughts about this defense now that you've had the time to digest it now that you've had the time to dive into the all 22 and now that you've had the time to kind of see what Patrick Graham did to kind of slow down a player like Kyler Murray who I think posed a really big challenge for this defense and any defense he faces all season yeah Kyler Murray did a phenomenal job using his legs to keep extending plays something that we didn't see the last three games from the Arizona Cardinals But in this game, he did that quite sufficiently against the zone defense the Giants like to run. And I also think Cliff Kingsbury did an excellent job using pre-snap motion, something we talked about a lot on the last podcast. Right at the snap, he would bring a wide receiver from the backside to the front side of the play and then run him vertical, basically creating two vertical concepts and putting a defender into conflict, whether that be the outside cornerback or the middle hook linebacker. 
because some one of those routes would break inside. We saw that several times, that pre-snap motion right into a route that the Giants... It didn't. They didn't necessarily struggle with it, but the Cardinals got them on that on a few different plays. Kept moving the chains with DeAndre Hopkins because these last several weeks, Giants been playing a lot of zone. I know two weeks ago they played a little bit more man, but we haven't seen James Bradbury shadow that much. So they were really kind of putting DeAndre Hopkins into a lot of great position against linebackers and using high-low type of concepts to kind of get the ball into his hands to kind of allow him to make a play against this Giants team. But I gotta say, man. The Giants' defense really impressed me. Their backs were against the wall with that Marcus Golden fumble, and they still held on four consecutive plays from the nine-yard line. Some of those plays, Blake Martinez tackling Christian Kirk at the goal line, Julian Love making a really nice fill against Kenyon Drake, and then James Bradbury knocking the ball away from the Arizona receiver. Those are some big-time plays, and they also made a couple goal line stands later, and they finally gave up that one touchdown to Dan Arnold, which was just a phenomenal throw from Kyler Murray, who is a ridiculous talent. But yes, the Giants defense, even though in this loss, it's unfortunate, but they're, they played like 79 plays at the college level kind of stuff. <laughs> the Giants defense is still a, a very good unit. Yeah, I came away from this game after having seen the All-22 and had time to digest, you know, what I saw on film versus what I saw and put on our reaction pod. Extremely impressed by this Giants defense. And I think it's easy to get lost in the overall, you know, dismay of a, of a really devastating i would call it loss like this one and kind of look to pin the blame on everyone and every single unit and every single coach and you know view it as a game where the giants weren't really in it and that's why because everybody played wrong but when you watch the tape and you see and you factor in things like you said which you know the giants are on the field for 79 snaps a a disgusting number thanks in large part due to ineptitude of the offense and despite that and despite the field position being absolutely atrocious in their and, and against them, you know, the Cardinals started from, I believe, close to the 50-yard line on average, which is absolutely insane. And when you look at that, I mean, we could talk about things that get lost, like you just mentioned one. The good moments will get lost. The break, Let's break down. We could break down who's responsible for the – I think you did an excellent job. I wanted to point to that, you know, the first goal line stand. Early in the game, the Giants put this defense in a position after that forced fumble sack and uh, by Marcus Golden where they have to make a goal line stand early on. And like you said, Blake Martinez comes up big. Julian Love comes up big. I had in my notes just an excellent play by James Bradbury, the trail technique, and then the, and then the ability to just break that ball up in the air there. He just plays the ball so well in the air, James Bradbury and that's not it man this defense time after time came up with big plays and key moments to really keep points off this board it was very similar in that sense to Seattle it wasn't perfect like it was against Seattle and that's exactly what the offense made them be and actually the offense made them be more than perfect because they had multiple you know f-ups but of course you're never going to get a perfect game plan. You got one versus Seattle. You can't expect one every week. But I really came away very impressed with what I saw from this Giants defense. Also with that James Bradbury play, it was fourth and one, first quarter, 10:49 left. James Bradbury has to be cognizant of pitch from the backside. And you could see him kind of stop covering number 19 yeah. because he thinks that the... I want to say it's Christian Kirk, but I'm not 100% sure, has the ball coming around the end. And then he gets back in phase with number 19 and forces that pass breakup. And also credit to Leonard Williams and Tay Crowder to kind of contain 
Kyler Murray on that play as well. And what I love about Bradbury on this play, and you've seen it throughout his film with the Giants, is a lot of cornerbacks in this spot where they're trying to play catch up because they had to have that responsibility in the run game to Christian Kirk on that reverse. And this is a great example of some excellent misdirection. A lot of those corners will, as they're trying to catch up, look back at the quarterback to try to see where he's going to go with the football or what he's about to do. And if he takes that time to look back at the quarterback, he's never making the play. Instead, what Bradbury is always doing is he's got his eyes on the receiver and the catch point. He's always got his eyes on where their hands are and where the ball's going to be and that's why he always is able to make such good plays in the air on the ball because he's playing to where the receiver's catch point is rather than trying to look back at the quarterback and make a play that way so I think it's a great example of just an excellent play by the Stevens it's not the only one though I mean there were plays I want to talk about first and 10 from the Giants 18 with 802 left in the first quarter you have a key pivotal play here because on a for in a first and 10 situation inside the Giants zone 20 this is good. This play is going to determine where this drive goes, and the, and the Cardinals use some pre-snap motion to get the receiver in motion, and then they run a pitch play out to Kenyon Drake. Carter Coughlin gets off of his block, then shoots the backfield and stops Drake for a negative four. He puts the Cardinals in a second and 14 situation that they just end up ultimately not being able to recover from on this drive. They're too far behind the sticks. They have to settle for three. These are just the small plays that end up making a difference in some games. Not this one, not a game like this where the offense is completely inept. It won't make a difference on the scoreboard in a game like this. Looking back in a game like this, it won't be remembered. But these kind of individual plays, and this is such a great play from Coughlin to not only get off his block, but shoot it for negative four. They save four points yeah this is a strong side boundary run and i want to say number 19 goes in motion to kind of just make that defense cognizant of him and then it's that pitch carter coughlin does an excellent job sinking that outside shoulder getting around max williams blocks max williams also kind of falls which also definitely assists him but tay crowder also does a great job dipping that inside shoulder to get away from the lead tackle bj humphreys or DJ Humphreys, I should say. I don't know why I'm calling him BJ. I mean, my mind is in the gutter. But DJ Humphreys here. And Tay Crowder, if it wasn't for Carter Coughlin, would have made this tackle as well. So both the seventh-round rookies putting themselves into a position to make great plays in a key situation down in the red area. And also Carter Coughlin, dude. How explosive is that guy? So explosive, man. I mean, he's his athleticism is off the charts. It's incredible to think that that's this for guy... somebody who, at the combine, you know, people... You, then again, remember, people knocked his combine because maybe he didn't have the length and the... But his 10-yard split, and that's exactly what drew the Giants to Ryan Connolly as well, was off the charts for linebacker. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I watched a lot of film on this guy. I knew he was a great athlete. But watching him chase down players like even Kyler Murray, you see just how he has this second gear that other linebackers just do not have. And it's kind of wild. I mean, Kyler Murray is a phenomenal type of athlete, and he's going to outrun a lot of people, and he would outrun Carter Coughlin. Carter Coughlin can can pace with him, and it's definitely very, very uh, encouraging to see a a true athlete at this position. Now you just want to hope that he gets a little bit stronger at the point of attack. I I can see that the Cardinals were running at him a little bit, but I didn't see many plays where he was just a complete liability in that that realm because he also uses his athletic ability to kind of avoid blocks. Yeah, I completely agree. I think at times we thought based on his size, based on, you know, things that like, you know, what Ed Smith said last podcast, how like Evan Ingram, sometimes it's just a matter of physics. If you're a 245 pound man trying to block a 280 pounder, it's not going to work. But getting off those blocks, the flip side of that on the defensive side 
it, it does seem doable when you watch Carter Coughlin. He hasn't been the liability you might think he would be in setting the edge in the run game. And it's really interesting to watch him kind of evolve in this defense. He's now playing almost every snap. This is the second game in a row with more than 40 snaps. He has become a, a, almost a full-time player for the Giants due to some of these injuries on the edge. And he's really evolving into an excellent value pick for the Giants in this draft class. Again, the Giants, by, based on how they've built this defense and how unique their system is and how different their system is, they're going to be able to find late round gems on the defense, I believe. I believe a lot of these picks on day three moving forward will be defensive picks because the Giants will look at their draft board and they'll have a guy on defense rated so much higher than a guy on offense because they know they can get him to fit their system. And that's been exactly the case with Carter Coughlin. It's been exactly the case with Tay Crowder. And I mean, Holmes is a little bit of a different scenario because he's a corner. But with Kraut, with the linebackers, with those second level guys like Crowder and Coughlin, they've really done an excellent job of locating guys to fit what they wanted to teach from a coaching standpoint. No, they definitely have, and I hope that they continue to do that. I would like to see if TJ Brunson would ever get his his behind on the field to see if the Giants hit on anything there. But I touched on something a little bit earlier, Dan, about how Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals used a lot of vertical concepts to manipulate the Giants' zone. And one that kind of comes to mind is the second and five, 839 left in the first quarter. And again, this requires pre-snap motion. They pre-snap motion, the field side number one wide receiver from the stack so he's off the line of scrimmage so there's no adjustment to have anybody else go on the line of scrimmage snap the football and they run christian kirk on a wheel and what that does is it expands that curl flat defender tay crowder it's going to expand tay crowder and it's also going to occupy the deep one-third defender james bradbury so essentially you're removing two defenders because they have to react they don't have any time to think they have to react to christian kirk it removes them both from the fray, and that just allows DeAndre Hopkins to find a void in that zone with a quick spot route between Tay Crowder and Blake Martinez, who starts his alignment off on the hash. So it's just a lot of space for DeAndre Hopkins to find a nice void and make a catch secure it. And the, and the Cardinals used this several times, the yes. same type of concept against the New York Giants when the Giants would be in that base cover three type of defense. And it's really interesting because this is something that Nick and I have talked about a lot on this podcast over the weeks. We're like, at some point, we saw a little bit with Washington and their game plan, but they couldn't execute it to the same level that Arizona was able to. But at some point, teams are going to be able to counter what Patrick Graham's doing by flooding the zone with vertical concepts. And there's a great example of this as well that I wrote down in my notes and I wanted to go over with Nick. And that's first and 10 from the Arizona 8 with 314 left in the first quarter. They're backed up inside their own end zone. And they use the double vert with the back running the wheel at this point. And I believe it's the H-back running the wheel at this point. And again, they flood the zone, and Bradbury is left in conflict here. He has two vertical routes, or what looks like two vertical breaking routes with the wheel, coming at him with Hopkins in the middle. And Hopkins just sits in the zone, sits between the void. The linebacker obviously could get further could get further back. He could get more depth, but he can't really because there's an in-breaking route. So he kind of has to account for that. And what it does is the one defender who's Bradbury, he has to account for that wheel coming out. Like Nick just said in the last play he broke down, there's a vertical vertical wheel running but then Hopkins is able to sit in that zone sit in that void and it's a big 17 yard completion to get them out of their own end zone and moving up the field backside of the play there's a drag from the tight end and that holds Blake Martinez in place it also holds Carter Coughlin in place like you kind of touched on and Carter Coughlin doesn't necessarily get to the right depth so both of them kind of have their eyes on that drag route that stops in the middle of the field he's wide open but no one gets the necessary depth to cover DeAndre Hopkins and that's not on James Bradbury either because James Bradbury has to sink and cover Dan Arnold on that wheel route or Dan Arnold's going to be wide open for a possible touchdown yeah if anything that's on Cliff Kingsbury for doing an excellent job 
using pre-snap motion, using misdirection, using vertical concepts to flood zones, and really coming up with an excellent game plan to beat a defensive coordinator who a lot of offensive coordinators have struggled to beat all season long. All season long, Patrick Graham's got the most of most of these offensive coordinators, especially when you factor in the talent level on this Giants defense, which is ultimately not all that high, especially given the injuries at edge that they've had and the situation at cornerback too. And, you know, with all that said, this was a great game plan by the Cardinals. I think that was, you know, as I said, I came away extremely impressed with the defense given the circumstances, given how often they were on the field, given all the big-time plays they made to take points off the board, goal line stand, or to turn, like I said in the last drive, a seven-point drive into a three-point drive. But ultimately, it was also an excellent game plan by Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, we saw Washington and Philadelphia run a lot of these uh, types of concepts, and the Giants struggled with it, especially in that first matchup against the Eagles down the stretch. We also saw Tampa Bay come out with a different kind of change to their offense, where they were just running deep out routes to Scotty Miller, and they were able to pick up a bunch of yards doing that. So there's definitely voids to Patrick Graham's defense you just kind of have to find it but the thing about Patrick Graham is he'll usually make some kind of change and he won't allow you to keep abusing it and that's one of the many great things about Patrick Graham yeah exactly and that's why we're so excited about Patrick Graham both now and in the future so we want to talk a little bit about some other excellent things we saw from the Giants defense and some other maybe concerning things or just things that were most difficult to, to for the Giants defense in large part due to the special talent they were playing in Kyler Murphy but before we do that Kyler Murray, that was. Uh, Murphy. <laughs> Kyler Murray just became Irish. <laughs> <laughs> but before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control of payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Due to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different. You could say that again. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Because right now, having a nice ice cold Pepsi will make your football watching experience that much greater. It will take it to the next level. And sometimes the next level is what you need to unlock a great day. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watchers. 
All right, so I want to dive into a play here that stood out to me because it just shows how difficult of a matchup Patrick Graham and his Giants defense were going up against with a quarterback like Kyler Murray. And that's second and seven for the Cardinals at their own 28 with 207 left. Murray is so good, man. I mean, the talent for him is so next level. It's not Russell Wilson. It's not Lamar Jackson. It's something we haven't seen. He's just so quick in space. Here, the Giants have a great coverage to stop this play action. And they have contain here with Carter Coughlin, but he's not able to keep contain because Kyler Murray's so quick. And then once he gets into the open fields here, there's even another opportunity for the Giants to make a play here, to make a stop. Jabril Peppers crashes down, but Murray shakes Peppers, kind of breaks his ankles a little bit, and is able to cut back inside after it and, get, and create even more yardage for the first down. And he even gets the slide in to avoid a hit. This is the type of next-level talent. And that's just talking about Murray with the, the pressure he put on the Giants with his legs. It's a nice design, too, because the play-action boot. Larry Fitzgerald kind of blocks down on that contained defender. Carter Coughlin gets in his way, doesn't allow Coughlin to get any angle on Kyler Murphy. <laughs> on Kyler Murray, see? This Irish Kyler Murphy. I mean, this <laughs> this, is, this is, I guess, his new nickname here. And we're not even close and to St. Paddy's. And we're not even close, but almost. And then we have Jabril Peppers try to make a play on him, but he just boxes him inside, doesn't allow him to get inside so all of his teammates can kind of rally towards him and make that tackle. But Kyler doesn't even give him that opportunity. Yep, it's really just truly amazing. And that doesn't even go into, I mean, this defense had the the Cardinals and Kyler Murray dead to rights on that third and goal from the seven crash the pocket they're about to get a sack and Murray just drops the ball right over the top right over the top of the defense to Dan Arnold for a touchdown that could have been three points the Giants could have got out of that situation down nine nothing it's just amazing the kind of arm talent you have to have to make that throw do you think Kyler Murray is related to Kyle Murphy, the guy on the Giants practice squad? I can only hope because that means Kyle Murphy will eventually be one of the most athletic centers. Did I call Kyle Murphy Kyle Murray? I I'm, I'm losing I'm losing track here, Nick. You've lost me. All right, whatever. But yes, <laughs> Kyler Murray, his arm talent is ridiculous, and the way he changes, the way he throws the, the football, the trajectory, and where his arm goes, his arm angles. I mean, I know Patrick Mahomes gets praised for that a lot because he was a baseball player, similar to Kyler Murray. But it was absolutely ridiculous when you would see Dalvin Tomlinson's hands up in his face, and he would just be able to find a way instantaneously to throw right around it. It was absolutely incredible. And that pass to Dan Arnold that you were referring to, he had Cam Brown and another defender, Cam Brown with all the length in the world, freaking Gumby himself, right in his face. And he gave it a little pump fake to get both those defenders to jump, and then he found Dan Arnold. It was an incredible play. It's such a good he play. He must be so fun to have on your team. I I knew he'd be fun to have on your team. I would I wrote an article about why the Giants he should be number one on their draft board that year and they should even consider trading up for him. Ultimately I don't think that was ever an opportunity for them once Arizona hired Cliff Kingsbury. But ultimately that's the type of talent the Cardinals have. And if you want to see another quarterback prospect who can change his arm angle and trajectory, take a look at BYU Zach Wilson. He's gonna be coming into this twenty twenty one NFL draft. I got a problem with Zach Wilson though, Dan. Okay. Yes. We had Fred Smoot on the podcast, and Fred Smoot talked about how he has an ordinary name. Not Zach Wilson in particular, but quarterbacks with ordinary names typically don't make it in the league. Now, Kyler Murray and Kyler Murphy would both make it in the league because Kyler is a pretty cool name. But I don't know if Zach Wilson is going to be able to make it in the league with that ordinary-ass name. Let me ask you something, and we could I should have asked Fred Smoot this. Is Aaron Rodgers that unordinary, extraordinary of a name? No, but... Extraordinary a- of a name? No, but A. Aaron Rodgers is. Okay, is 
Drew Brees, that ad Brees. That's I think Brees is a that's good one. a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Okay, Philip okay. Rivers would be a pretty meh name. No, Rivers is pretty pretty. How many? It's rivers? pretty ordinary. How many rivers have you met in your life? Last name Rivers. I don't know. I used to make raps when I was a kid, or when I was like in my early twenties about the NFL, and oh I had so God. many, I wish so I many these. puns off of Rivers. Oh, I'll do them one I day. I wish I could hear these dude, NFL raps. Oh, yeah. This is unbelievable. How have I never heard this? Oh, dude, I'm so we surprised. Need to put I never out told a, you. We need, may need to put out a full Big Blue Banter, Big Blue Banter off-season podcast <laughs> of just Nick rapping. It'll be a thirty-minute strung together. The pod. references would go over so many people's heads because. This was That's like what you thought, at least. That's what you no, no, no. As, no, it's not because they're smart. It's because it was 2016. <laughs> it was a while ago. It was. The, the, I can only imagine what these raps sound like. And one day, maybe you and I will. You being the listeners, and I will get to hear them. Possibly. Possibly. That's to be determined at a later date. But let's talk about another play that I thought was awesome by the Giants here, and that's third and seven from the Arizona's own 41-yard line. With 26 seconds remaining in the first quarter, what a great job here by Logan Ryan, baiting Kyler Murray into throwing this whole shot. When Ryan was lined up on the hash, so he really was a really, you know, we praised Kyler Murray a lot this podcast. This was a bad Kyler Murray moment. He should have never made this throw. And if you watch his eyes, this looked like a predetermined throw by Kyler Murray based on the coverage he saw pre-snap, I guess, which really doesn't make much sense because Logan Ryan is really in the spot that he's throwing to and ryan breaks on the ball here he's in a perfect position he should make this interception it ultimately doesn't come up caught this is one of those plays that could have changed the momentum of the game because the giants would have had the ball around midfield mark instead of getting into their own 13 but i just think it was such an excellent job by logan ryan here to kind of bait murray into this and to almost make a big play this would be such a huge field position type of play if logan ryan secured it this is a too high shell and Kyler Murray's throwing it from the far hash here, and it's just cover two. So there's going to be that honey hole that we always talk about between that deep half safety and the flat defender who is James Bradbury. So what happens? DeAndre Hopkins gets behind James Bradbury like he's supposed to. James Bradbury is looking at that flat route, and he's open for a bit. Logan Ryan angles his hips inward and is watching the deep breaking route from the near hash. Kyler Murray thinks he could fit this ball in here. He can't. Logan Ryan <laughs> knew exactly what was going on because he's freaking Logan Ryan. He baited this throw and he got his hands on it, almost picked it off. It was a really nice play by Logan Ryan. Bad read by Kyler Murray, like you said. And if you're going to throw into that honey hole, man, you need to hit back shoulder. You can't try to lead him, especially with a safety like Logan Ryan. And I love to watch Ryan on this play because you look at 23 and he's backpedaling in such an interesting way. The movement that he's using, it's so smooth. His transitions. His hips, man. His hips are moving so smoothly. He transitions so well into the attempt at the interception and he just comes so close to making it. Next one he will get. I'm sure of it. He has made these plays for the Giants and he will continue to. And this is an example of why he's a really good player on this defense. Yeah, there are many examples why I think he's a pivotal part to what the Giants do on defense, and especially as a secondary, which is, of course, probably the strength of the defense, even though they're very, very strong up front, but the edge rushers, not quite. Another player, man, that kind of caught my eye here, and he didn't play too many snaps. I think he only played... 20 something and that's bj hill bj hill again just so physical man his hands are so quick he played 21 snaps actually less than austin johnson who played a lot of nose technique whereas bj hill would kind of play a little bit of five technique with or a little bit of four eye whenever they were in that bare front that tight front which they employed they ran you know two four five three three five four three tight two three six 
They had cover three. They ran a little bit of Tampa two with Blake Martinez carrying basically almost man coverage in the zone match type of defense that they were running too high cover six I saw I think a snap of and they were also uh, running regular cover two where that middle linebacker doesn't drop to a crazy depth but again if there was a deep horizontal crossing route there might have been uh, deep there might have been Blake Martinez dropping to that depth but BJ Hill there was a couple I think there were two reps where he was engaged with the Cardinals offensive lineman and he put the guy on his behind with just heavy hands and shed and then chase Kyler Murray out of the pocket and Kyler Murray did Kyler Murray things yeah we can't can't speak enough on this podcast as to how good of a player BJ Hill is I know he doesn't get a lot of reps every game this is kind of about what he gets every game 20 25 sometimes a little bit more but he makes the most of every rep that he gets and he is an excellent player on this defense I think ultimately if they do make the decision this offseason to move on from either Leonard Williams or Dalvin Tomlinson They'll be in a better position than people may think because of guys like Dexter Lawrence and B.J. Hill behind them on the roster. Yeah, and I think that Dalvin Tomlinson offers a totally different type of skill set than these players, but you're going to have to make tough decisions. This is a business, so that may be something that ends up happening. How do you feel about Tay Crowder in this game? Tay Crowder, it's continuing continuing to impress me. It's not. I didn't have any specific plays I had in my notes with Crowder. I'm curious if you did, but I like his speed and I like his ability to play the run and I like his ability in general to be that zone defender the Giants need at the second level. There was a second and 15 with about 9.48 left in the second quarter. Tay Crowder is lined up to the strong side of the formation. There's three down linemen. And then three linebackers, but one of the down linemen is Carter Coffin, so you could say it is a 2-4-5 type of defense. Carter Coffin's directly over the tight end, Max Williams. And Tay Crowder actually does a really good job reading the play, seeing the pulling lineman, reacting, getting to the pulling lineman at the line of scrimmage, and then spilling the run outside so Jabril Peppers and James Bradbury can go and make a tackle. I thought that was a high mental processing type of play where he read his keys, trusted what he saw, attacked, and forced... Kenyon Drake to bounce outside towards his rallying teammates, force contain type of teammates, and then the alley defender. Yeah, just another example of a player who the Giants are getting a lot of snaps from, good high-quality snaps from, and he was not selected until day three of the draft. And I think, and we'll talk a little bit more about this on the podcast with Ozzy Manure, who we get into this with, but they're going to have an advantage moving forward when it comes to a roster-building standpoint because their defense is so unique and different than most defenses in the NFL, and the Patriots have actually been a great example of this. While the Patriots have really not drafted all that well, especially on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, they actually have drafted well, and they have found a lot of starters from the later rounds because their defense is so different, and it's so unique, and the guys they find and the guys they may be drafting, and this will be the same case with the Giants, are not going to be fits for every team, and they may be lower on draft boards because of that. A guy like Carter Coughlin was probably off some draft boards altogether based on the fact that he wouldn't fit their system but he fits the Giants system and he ends up ultimately being an excellent value pick and a guy who was super productive at Minnesota some felt might not fit the their system whatever that may be so I think ultimately it's a really good sign the Giants have moved in this direction with Patrick Graham I hope they can keep it together because I believe it gives them an advantage from that roster building standpoint it definitely does. I mean, if you could find late round value, players who have a high football IQ and fit exactly what you're going to do, you're going to maximize your drafts. We spoke a little bit before about how Kyler Murray just throws from ridiculous arm angles. <laughs> and we spoke a lot about how Dalvin Tomlinson dominates offensive linemen at the point of attack. Well, there's a play, third quarter, third and one, 13-57, where the Cardinals run a mesh concept. It's very common in their air raid type of offense that they run. 
where Dalvin Tomlinson just pushes Mason Cole all the way back into Kyler Murray's lap, and somehow Kyler Murray gets this pass off. If you guys have game pass, freeze game pass at 39 seconds on this play and just see how close Dalvin Tomlinson is to swatting this ball down. And you just come to appreciate Kyler Murray, who definitely kind of changes his arm angle here to get this ball to DeAndre Hopkins. It's so impressive to watch on the All-22. You have to really see it to appreciate it. Kyler Murray is a really special talent. He's going to be a special player in this league for a long time to come. I can promise anyone that. I said it before the draft. I'm saying it now. Nothing's changed from what I've seen from him. If This was the first game this season I've been able to watch full on All-22. I've seen a bunch of games, his island games on, on broadcast angle, but when you watch him on All-22, you see just what Nick said the special the most special part about Kyler is not even ultimately that arm talent it's not even ultimately what he's able to do with his legs and how he threatens defenses that way it's the ability to change his arm angles and his trajectory on the passes and it really ultimately makes him such a mismatch and such a weapon it's really hard to defend these types of quarterbacks it really is but like we we're singing the praises of Kyler Murray and I think it's very warranted but we're, let's sing a little bit of praises for Patrick Graham as well. There's a play that I loved in the second quarter, first and 15, 9.52 left, where Xavier McKinney, who played a lot of slot in this game because there was no Darnay Holmes, and Xavier McKinney, I, I felt like he looked he looked fine out there. He wasn't a liability, but you could tell he's kind of getting accustomed to the NFL speed and everything like that. But Xavier McKinney fakes blitz. He subtly fakes blitz, and Kyler Murray's trying to check with the defense. He says hike and then sees what's happening. And Xavier McKinney jumped like he was going to blitz. And then right behind Xavier McKinney, you see Logan Ryan about, I guess you could say, seven yards off him, which is kind of a telltale sign that there's going to be a slot blitz. So what that does, that subtle little fake by Xavier McKinney, it forces Kyler Murray to check with his offense and slide protect towards Xavier McKinney. And that's what ends up happening. The offensive line slides that way, and that brings a free rusher off of where the blitz was actually coming from, which is Tay Crowder. And Tay Crowder gets right in on Kyler Murray, and I still don't know how Kyler Murray got rid of this football. Same. I really don't, so I guess we're going back to praising this guy. But this was an excellent scheme to get a free rusher to the blind side of Kyler Murray. Which here. is where he ultimately throws the ball to, Yeah, which he is just, crazy. He, how does he get this ball off? Yeah, he just gets rid of it, and it's almost completed. It's, it's high and out of place, but I'm guessing Kyler Murray saw after the snap that Logan Ryan and Xavier McKinney did not blitz. So then he said, oh, crap, my protection is slid right, and there was an unaccounted for defender to the left. I need to get rid of this football. Regardless, this is a sack for 25 of 30. The Giants get a sack on this against 25 of the 32 quarterbacks at the very minimum. Yeah, he had to be Maybe so, more. This was the play where Kyler Murray actually laid it on the ground for a little bit because yeah. he connected shins with Tay Crowder. Oh, yeah. But this is an excellent scheme once again by Patrick Graham. And I want to talk a little bit and give a shout-out, as long as we're giving shout-outs, to a player who I've just become so, I don't know what the right word is, so accustomed to seeing every week when I watch the All-22 make plays for this defense. And someone to me who has become a building block for this defense and a must-resign player, and that's Dribble Peppers, because week after week, this kid makes plays. He's coming into his own as a safety. This defense is obviously a much better fit for him than any defense that he's playing in. And I have a couple of plays that stand out to me that I want to bring up when it comes to Peppers. I want to talk about the second and five at the Giants 35 with 241 remaining in the third quarter of this game. This is a pivotal moment in this game. Obviously, the offense didn't give them many opportunities to make this a game, but say the offense was playing solid. When you make a play like this on defense, things can change because if you're moving the football here, 
ultimately from when you're at the opponent's what 39 yard line like they are here you can get into field goal range pretty easily it's second and five you're ahead of the sticks but peppers does such an excellent job here to diagnose the screen pass to fight through christian kirk's block and then to drive the def- the the offensive player back larry fitzgerald for a three yard loss here to set up the third and eight ultimately the giants get a stop on that third and eight at their 42 and the cardinals decide to punt the ball here and the game is still 20-7 to 7 at this point. They're still well in this game as long as they could have got something out of their offense because Peppers made this play. And it's not the only play, Nick. He had the second and 15 from the Giants 19 in the second quarter with 9.48 remaining in the game where, again, he shoots the gap here. This was an awesome play because guess what? On this play, the Cardinals had a really favorable run look here. The Giants had a very light box here, and this was the play Nick was talking about with Tate Crowder earlier. It's the same exact play. It's a great play by Crowder, but it's also a great play by Peppers, because this is a favorable run look with a really light box, just six in the box, and the Cardinals have six guys blocking, and they run a pull play, and yet Peppers is able to shoot the gap from his safety position, coming all the way down the field and stopping Drake for a one-yard loss here. Yeah, Jabril Peppers, we sing his praises every week. I think it's warranted. I mean, I think you have to pay this guy when the time comes. He fits this defense, like you said, incredibly well. And I think he had double-digit tackles again in this game. He's excellent diagnosing these screens. He's excellent as an open field tackler, something that I felt like he struggled with somewhat last year, being an open field tackler. Now he's very, very secure, wraps up, and he's very physical with his tackling mechanics too. So, I mean, I, I really do love number 21 out there. And that's an excellent point you just made because I think that's very true when you watch as much film as we do of this team. You saw last year there was a difference between this 21 and the old 21 the Giants used to have safety when it came to just Sure, tackling the old 21 landed would never miss a tackle he really never would and last year there did seem to be some of those issues occasionally with peppers the physicality was so has always been there with him he flies around and uses his athleticism but he's really done a much better job there and i credit the coaching for that i think the coaching has done excellent work with all of this entire defense when it comes to form tackling and just the mechanics and and just basically the the fundamentals and it's excellent to see so do you think if Alec Ogletree was the middle linebacker of this defense, would the Giants be fine? Would he be making tackles? That's an excellent question. I don't think so. I don't think even this amazing coaching staff could have gotten more out of Alec Ogletree, who's obviously not playing in the NFL, starting at middle linebacker for any team right now because you know I think he had a short stint this year with the Jets, but it's back on their practice squad or something like that. I mean, he was washed. He was a washed player who was just unbelievably bad against the run. Um, so no, I, ultimately I don't think he could have done it. Yeah, Dan, I can't say I'm too optimistic about that either, if we're going to be honest, but I want to go over one play. Since we talked last podcast about Jason Garrett and we kind of want more three-tier passing concepts, I thought there was one in this game that Cliff Kingsbury used against the Giants that picked up a first down, and I really actually liked the concept. It was a third and three, second quarter, 10.53 left if you're following on Game Pass. It was a boundary throw with a tight bunch inside of the numbers. So you have all the space to the backside, and Kyler Murray isn't empty. You always have that running threat, obviously. But the three-level read is from that tight bunch. So what's going to happen is you're going to have a deep post route from DeAndre Hopkins. Then Dan Arnold is going to run a little intermediate in type of route. And underneath, Larry Fitzgerald just kind of releases on a little spot right to the hash to kind of occupy those linebackers. And this just puts so many defenders into conflict. Larry Fitzgerald does this from a mesh concept coming from the other side while Christian Kirk kind of does the mush part of the mesh. It creates a three-level read with Fitzgerald, 
Dan Arnold, and a deep post from your best receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, with Christian Kirk coming from that bunch to the other side of the formation. And I think this just puts all those linebackers into conflict because they're not going to be able to drop the depth to really put a lot of focus or attention on Dan Arnold, let alone DeAndre Hopkins, but it stretches all those safeties vertical. So I love this type of passing concept. This is what I want to see more from Jason Garrett. Everyone go check it out. Second quarter, 10.53 left, third and three. Easy pickup for first down to Dan Arnold easy pickup and it pains me to see this because it seems so easy to me that the Giants could simply install and use this next week if Jason Garrett had his head together you got the two mesh routes going underneath to occupy those linebackers like he said then you have the deep end and the deep and the deep post simple it's a simple concept it's not rocket science here but it's just such a better way to get a first down than running whip routes and two curls from the boundary that are a few feet apart it's just it, this type of it, it it pains me, Nick. It pains me honestly because I don't understand why the Giants aren't doing more of this type of stuff. I don't. I don't get it. I simply don't get it. And if you guys want to laugh, look at the bottom of the screen. Chase Edmonds is split out outside the numbers, and he tries to get like fancy with his release and release outside of Isaac Yadam, and Yadam has absolutely nothing to do with it and puts. Chase Edmonds on his rear end. It was actually a really funny type of release and try from Chase Edmonds, who was a running back and not a wide receiver. It's one of those, hey, you want to try being a receiver? Cool, I'm going to press you when you're going to fall. And that was definitely a win for number 27. No doubt about it, Nick. All right, what else do you want to get to on the defensive side of the ball? What else stood out to you from this defense or just in general from the game plan? I just think fatigue kind of ended up kicking in and taking – taking the defense out of the game because they were just out there so much and they ended up capitulating a little bit. What I think the dagger in this game was the first drive from Arizona coming out of the half where they were able to kind of methodically move the football down the field and score a touchdown to make that lead almost insurmountable just because of the way the offense was playing at that point. It kind of sucked to see that because the defense was definitely very, very stout before that. But it's hard to really blame the defense when they're just three and out, three and out turnover from the other side of the football. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I still think there's examples of the opposite of that, or maybe not the opposite. That might not be the right word, but just good examples of this defense playing hard throughout the whole game. A third and 13 at the Giants 33-yard line in the fourth quarter, 8.46 left. At this point, the Giants offense had done literally nothing. Giants offense had done just put the defense in such gross situations with the punts on fourth and one and with just moving the ball in no ways and yet even here on a third and 13 situation from the Giants 33 yard line where you know the, the the Cardinals could easily get a field goal out of this the Cardinals can could extend the drive to maybe get a touchdown the Giants are able to get a sack here and the Giants are able to force a punt here and it just shows how hard this defense plays for Patrick Graham even in the worst of situations yeah on this play it was Dalvin Tomlinson sack and Dalvin Thompson made a great effort, but this should have been Jabal Sheard's Yes. Who had a phenomenal play just before this, where he set the edge. We'll go over that one in a second. But Dalvin Tomlinson here, because of Jabal Sheard, who attacks the half man, uses a violent outside arm chop against the guard and then rips through him to force Kyler Murray to step around. And that's when Dalvin Tomlinson just kind of disengaged from his block to secure that sack. The effort's never the issue with this defense. The, the effort is always at 100. And I love that about this team. That goes to, it's definitely a testament to the coaching. But Jabal Sheard, on that play, the second and 10, 931 left in the fourth quarter, it was a counterplay, something we see a lot from the Giants' offense. And Sheard has to take on this pulling backside guard. And he takes him on and just basically is not deterred whatsoever. 
doesn't put him on his backside but he does just kind of stand there like a brick wall absorbs the contact finds Kenyon drake and tackles him for a loss of three jabal sheard has been a nice find for the giants really nice find for the giants and i'm not sure what the future holds for him you know based on everything going around and based on where they're going to go with his edge position but he's a player who they knew would fit this style of system due to his time with the patriots and it was an excellent find by the giants in season it's so hard to get a guy like this who can contribute the amount of snaps he has and the production that he has and that's really good news for the giants i also wanted to point out maybe the opposite of that which is you know the 36 yard run they gave up to Kenyon drake in this game probably the biggest breakdown i thought they had on defense the entire time especially in the run game and that was in the second quarter, with 11.37 remaining, first and 10 from the Arizona's own 48-yard line. This was a big play for this drive, and it was an example of Julian Love not doing an excellent job, I don't think, filling here from the safe position. I, If we're going to look for one negative, I would say, on this defense, it would be the play of Julian Love. I don't think he's been a great fit for this defense. I don't think he's been a great fit for his new role at the safety position that they kind of converted him to his rookie season, and now he plays almost exclusively. I'm not sure there's a total future for Julian Love in this in this defense. That play's actually in the third quarter, but yeah, this was a Julian Love mishap. It seemed like he was slow to diagnose. He was, they were in a too high shell, the Giants, and he kind of does like a little hitch step as he's waiting for the blocks to develop. And it's just a zone read by Kyler Murray, but it was handed off. And I guess maybe he didn't see that clearly, so it took him a little bit to get down to the line of scrimmage. Blake Martinez doesn't scrape over top because there's a huge cutback lane off the backside of Austin Johnson. And Dexter Lawrence is double teamed very, very aggressively on this play and has kind of turned out of his gap responsibility because the Giants come out here they're in a tight front with Nico Lelos and Tay Crowder as the edge rushers in a 3-3-5 type of defense and Lelos gets kind of manhandled a little bit by Max Williams there's a nice hole but you need Julian Love to come down there and fill as that alley defender and he comes down and he just dives leaves his feet doesn't time the tackle up correctly and drake just kind of jump cuts away from him and it ends up being this 36 yard game where jabril peppers has to chase him down and logan ryan has to finish the tackle off by pushing him out of bounds it's a great hustle play by peppers to prevent this from being an even bigger play and a good job by ryan to come from his safety spot but it's a really bad fill by julian love he's slow to diagnose it and ultimately he misses the open open field tackle i just I'm struggling to see what Love is adding to this defense, and it doesn't feel like he's a good fit in coverage or in the run game. So it'll be interesting to see if he has a future here, even beyond like not only starting or playing the snaps that he's played, but just in general being on this roster next season. I wonder that too. I mean, I don't think he's been as bad in coverage, to be honest. He does what they ask him to do. It's a tough assignment, and I think you do have to possess a high IQ to be a part of this secondary as well, especially as a safety. So I think there's merit to that, but you need to be better as a tackler. Last season, I've done a couple offseason pieces on Julian Love, and he showed that extra burst and that extra that extra gear that I, that I haven't yet really seen from him this season now. <laughs> Luckily, the Giants aren't necessarily chasing a lot of players in open space, so maybe that's a reason why we haven't seen it. But it, it, it's been definitely a, a sophomore slump, I think, is a fair way to yeah. kind of quantify his experience in 2020 with the Giants. Sure, and if anyone's looking for a play for McKinney, because, you know, McKinney obviously got to play a lot more snaps in this game. He ended this game with a, a career-high, season-high, whatever you want to call it, 39 snaps here. Um, take a look 
at late in the game here for McKinney. It's not some kind of amazing play. It's not the most outstanding thing. But in the fourth quarter, with 13:25 remaining, the Cardinals had the ball third and 10 on the Giants 23. And I thought McKinney did an, a really solid job here to diagnose the play, drive down, and stop the underneath check down to Edmonds and prevent this play from really going for a first down. I think he did. He didn't do anything spectacular here, but he limited the after the uh, the yards after the catch. Yeah, he got in the way of Edmonds enough to to force him to kind of cut back inside and who was there who do you think Jabril Peppers as always 21 21 is there I'm telling you man and McKinney again like I said he he's getting his sea legs underneath him if we're going to speak like that but there's if there's a player on this defense that just moves differently in my opinion it's Jabril Peppers The, the guy just when you watch the tape you see when you see him hustling from the backside it looks like he's just moving at a different speed sometimes yeah I mean you factor in the injuries and the contract situation and honestly peppers for beckham straight up i wouldn't even hate that looking back on that deal i mean they ended up getting dexter lawrence out of it and they got rid of the vernon contract for zeitler so there's other good things of this and O'Shane, whatever comes of that but just straight up peppers and that contract 1.1 million a year versus beckham it's almost a win just there alone so i know people like to think you know and like to say the giants could be a lot better with a true number one I agree with that, but I don't think it would have been that Beckham as that guy. I don't think the per- I don't think there was a fit anymore from a personality standpoint. I think he commanded too many targets in his mind, and the offense just I don't know if I don't know if a quarterback can develop with a receiver like that. You know, there are ones who don't, you know, who don't who don't always act like that. I don't want to get too into that right now. But the point is, Peppers has been a really really nice find for Dave Gettleman, and I don't give Gettleman props a lot on this podcast. Or I give him enough, I think, for what he's done. But that's one area where you know I'm giving him a lot of props because he saw Peppers, he liked what he saw from Peppers, and Peppers has really been an excellent fit for Patrick Graham. He was he'd flashed like Nick said, he moved really well on the tape with Betcher, but it never felt like he was being utilized to full, to his to the fullest capability with James Betcher. And versus now with Patrick Graham, where I really feel like he's found a nice fit for him. And he's also a thing I think I criticized with Peppers last year was his ability to kind of see the field, see the route concepts. And I kind of knocked him a little bit in the beginning of the season on a few different plays where I was like, I don't think he sensed that underneath route. He was a little bit late to it, but his athletic ability allowed him to be a little bit late to it. But you want him to see that in a more instantaneous manner. I haven't seen that in weeks. His mental processing and his ability to even bait quarterbacks and play and things like that and kind of use timing to his advantage has definitely progressed this year. I'm very intrigued by his future with the Giants. Yeah, no doubt about it. I completely agree. All right, Nick, anything else you want to touch on on the defense? You want to wrap this bad boy up? Let's wrap this bad boy up. All right. If that's it for the Defensive All-22 podcast, I will leave you guys on this. Thank you to everyone who has taken the time to rate and review us on iTunes. For those of you who have taken the time, we want to give you a little shout out. Killa for love. Killa for love. Pretty good name. Best Giants podcast, informative, analytical, passionate. It's not that I agree with all their takes, but I appreciate the way they make their cases. I felt like they were both overly harsh on Dave Gettleman, but I feel as the season has progressed, a lot of Gettleman's moves are looking a lot better. This must, this is a, this pod is a must listen if you're a Giants fan. So thank you, Killa for love. Was I harsh on Gettleman? Uh, I don't know. I guess he thinks you are. Huh. Um, I feel like you've been the opposite on Gettleman almost. 
But Big Blue Fan from LA says, the best podcast. I love the breakdown of the All-22. Lorenzo Cam, this is a fantastic show for anyone who loves Big Blue. As an avid LifeLog fan, I thoroughly enjoy listening to these guys because as opposed to many emotionally inclined fans, they provide a compound analysis week by week. So thank you so much for these reviews. Thank you to everyone who's taken the time to give us these five-star reviews. They really help us grow our podcast. And for everyone who wants to help us grow outside of the reviews, if you've already done that, head over to their our Instagram page, NYBigBlueBanter. You can follow our content there. And for those of you who want a little preview of what else is to come this week, later this week we're going to preview the Browns-Giants Week 15 game with a Browns podcast. And we're also going to have an exclusive interview with OCU Manure coming up on your feeds this week. So stay tuned for all of that. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire, a one word, at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, a one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.